0: Hello everyone. Welcome to 360 on History. Please check out our website and follow us on social media. Our podcast today is an interview with Sandra Snybion's daughter, who is a geologist working on a very interesting project in Iceland. But before we start, I want to talk about the Earth's tectonic plates. Millions of years ago, all the continents were joined together to form one supercontinent called Pangaea. And about 175 million years ago, Pangaea started to break apart into the continents we see today. As this happened, rifts opened up and one of these gave rise to the Atlantic Ocean. This was due to the Earth's plate tectonic processes, which resulted in the continental drift. The Earth's crust and upper mantle is broken into tectonic plates and where these plates meet geological processes, such as earthquakes, volcanoes, mountain building and oceanic trench formation take place. The breaking apart of Pangea and the opening up of the Atlantic Ocean resulted in the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. In the North Atlantic, the ridge separates the Eurasian and North American plates and although it is mostly underwater, a portion of it passes through Iceland. It is for this reason that Iceland has such a lot of geothermal activity. Our interview today is about a project that utilizes this geothermal activity in Iceland. So, hi, Sandra. Hi. Why don't you tell us about your project? First, tell us what you do, what, who you are, and then this amazing new project that you are doing. Mm-hmm.
1: So, my name is Sandra Snaggistadir, uh, and I'm a geologist and geochemist, uh, and I work at Reykjavik Energy, here in Iceland. Uh, and here we are uh, running a project called Carfix. Right. Uh, and this project is aiming on injecting CO2
0: and turning it into rock. Right. That sounds really fantastic. So can you explain to us how you do this? So uh, we
1: are injecting the CO2 into basaltic rocks, uh-huh. which is basically the rock that Iceland is made up of mm-hmm. and most of the oceanic floor as well Right. Uh, and these rocks are very reactive and they contain a lot of, uh, of metals such as uh, magnesium iron and, and calcium uh, uh, we inject the CO2 dissolved in water so this is just basically injecting sparkling water just like right. water you, you buy in the store right. uh, and this water has low pH so it's acidic mm-hmm. uh, and the acidity of the water uh, dissolves the rocks right so that it dissolves these uh, metals out of the rock uh, that combine with the co2 so calcium magnesium and iron are dissolved out of the rock and combine with the co2 and form carbonate minerals right and these are Minerals such as calcite and magnesite, uh, yeah, so just minerals that are uh, naturally
0: occurring. Right, 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 and they just sort of fix into the basaltic rock.
1: Yeah, so that was that's uh, also the beauty about basalts that they are kind of like a sponge. There right. is a lot of, of porosity in, mm-hmm. in this rock. There is, it's, it's yeah, it has all these. Cores and cavities yeah. that can be used for storing this this carbon, sure. and also we have a lot of, of fractures and, uh, fissures. And, and fissures within the bedrock because we are located in a very active area where where we have spreading. So there is a there are op- we have opening of new surfaces and flow paths
0: uh, ongoing all the time here. Right, so. right, right, right. Oh, this is fantastic. So. So, can you explain a little bit more about the the process? Um, I understand that uh, it, so it's it's sparkling water, basically, mm-hmm. fluid uh, carbon dioxide mixed in water, and you so you sort of send it down with pressure.
1: Yeah. So we pump it into uh, injection wells, mm-hmm. uh, and we want these wells to reach at least five hundred meters depth. Right, because we want uh, because part of, of this the security of this method is dissolving the CO two because by dissolving it we are uh, creating a fluid that is actually heavier than the water that is in the formation, so right. it has the tendency to sink right. rather than to rise up. Right, so it's not we, we don't it, it's not going to uh, rise to the surface again. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be at depths that keeps the co2 in this dissolved phase
0: mm-hmm.
1: for this increased security mm-hmm. uh, but in I have to say that we are actually injecting to even greater depths so we have wells that are reaching 2,000 meters okay but uh, that's mostly because we are using the infrastructure that is already in place there because right. we are already injecting a lot of of geothermal fluid after going through the power plant we reinject it into the reservoir so we can use this reinjection infrastructure so we simply have to just dissolve the co2 into this down going stream of water
0: right 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 that's that's okay so so it, you can take it down to a greater depth yeah in that case yeah and so when did you uh, or, or or your company when did it start working on this when did the idea to do this come about
1: so this, the idea of using this process, which is actually just a naturally occurring process, so right. we have a lot of CO2 that uh, is already being fixed within rocks yes. on the surface of Earth. This right. is one of the main processes. Right. But the idea of trying to speed this process up as a mean to tackle climate change uh, actually came up in the 90s. Uh-huh. Uh, and the seed that later became Carpix, actually comes from uh, Columbia University. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a professor there, uh, Wally Brucker, mm-hmm. uh, who came to Iceland in 2006 right. and gave a talk on this concept. Right. And there he met with the former president of Iceland, Oliver Ragnar Grímsson, uh, who connected him with the, uh, with the scientific community in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one year later, in 2007, this project, uh, the Carpix project, was founded. Right. Uh, so, for the first couple of years, uh, the main work was a lab experiment, uh, trying to fin- find a suitable spot for injecting and designing the uh, injection system. Right. Uh, but then, in 2012, we started pilot injections. Okay. Uh, and the results uh, confirmed this very rapid mineralization of the injected gases, so we could uh, prove that uh, over 95% of what we had injected was turned into rock in less than two years. Wow. So this was much faster than previously thought right. possible. Right, And following the success of, of these injections, it was uh, decided to scale up. So... Uh, Carpix has been running as an integral part of the operations at the power plant since 2014 mm-hmm. and we have step wisely
0: been uh,
1: increasing the amount of CO2
0: that we inject. So can you tell me around about how much, what the percentage of the CO2 is that you were able to inject? Yeah, so at this point we are injecting one third of
1: the co2 from the plant mm-hmm. uh, which is about twelve thousand tons per year right uh, and we are aiming on uh, in the in the near future to inject at least ninety percent of this co 2 wow that's amazing so that's that's the aim and and as for now we have uh, you know the limiting factor is just uh, the capture plant right so we have we could we could theoretically store like orders of magnitude more co2 mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. this plant emits in the vicinity of the plant mm-hmm. uh, but as for well now we have to build a bigger capture plant to be able to capture a bigger portion of of the emissions
0: so are there any plans to do that to expand this operation all over the country and then outside the country as well
1: uh, globally so we are we are uh, in the process of of designing uh, similar methods to capture at, at the other plant that is owned and operated by Reykjavik Energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just a couple of, of months ago, there was actually a, a declaration of, of intent made by the government of Iceland and the aluminium uh, industry in Iceland,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the ferrosilica plant and Reykjavik Energy, which is running this project to see if it's feasible to use this in other places in Iceland. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we could drastically uh, reduce the emissions uh, in Iceland if if this is something that can be used for the aluminium smelters as well, because they are the biggest contributors to CO2 from Iceland. But then we are also uh, working on a project which is uh, funded by the uh, European Union, Mm -hmm. where we are looking into injection in in other parts of the world, and there we are also focusing on other kinds of rocks. Mm-hmm. So we are also trying to define the boundary on where we can utilize this method and where we cannot. You mm-hmm. know that basalts are optimal for this, mm-hmm. but then, you know, how far away from that comfort zone yes. can we reach it's yes. still be you know successful yes. so so there we are actually looking into uh, other kinds of rocks as well
0: oh that's so are there any rocks that you have in mind that might be uh, might have a potential for this kind of injection so what you basically need is
1: a sufficient amount of these divalent metals that can combine with the CO2 right so uh, some volcanoclastic rocks could have uh, high enough concentrations. Uh, we are also looking into some some iron rich gneisses in, in Italy. Right. Uh, so maybe even some sandstones that have uh, this kind of of chemical composition. Right. This varies, of course, a lot. Uh, but we need we need some some amount of, of these metals. So uh, that's. No, that's the, the problem with, with the sedimentary basins that are uh, usually used for inj- injection of CO2, that these are mostly coarse-rich. Right. So, it's, so, so these formations, they lack these metals to, right. to actually
0: mineralize the CO2. So if I understand correctly, you, need, you would need two types of, you would need the rock to be porous as well. And yes. have these min, uh, these uh, metals, yeah, so, you, so that you can mineralize it yeah, with the CO two.
1: But then also, uh, when you mineralize, you often create some. You know, so if you have some space to mineralize in, you often then create some micro fractures, right. Along the so you so you might not need, you know, as much uh, porosity porous. as we have in in the basalts, but you need some porosity and you need some. Battles to to combine
0: with uh, CO two right to, for turning it into into rock. This is fascinating. So tell me about this piece of core that you have <laughs> brought. Um, I have a piece, a, a circular piece that is a, the core of the. So you, why don't you tell us? Yes.
1: <laughs> so this is uh, from a core that was retrieved from the storage formation where we were uh, doing our pilot injections. Mm-hmm. So it's just a a beautiful example on. Like it tells you a lot about why basalt are so optimal, because you can easily see the pores, and you can see the pores that are already filled with these white minerals that right. are just carbonated
0: uh, rock. Right, yeah.
1: uh, and also, yeah. So, so some of it might be the CO two that we injected. Most of it is probably just naturally mineralized CO two. But it's a it's a nice
0: example on, on the processes that are taking place yes. underground. Right, right, right. This is just amazingly fascinating, mm-hmm. and I'll put up the picture of this as well with with the with our with this talk. Mm-hmm. And what else do you have for us? So
1: I, I brought some other nice rock samples as well. So uh, this is just a, a basaltic piece just from. This is just typical Yeah, as yeah that as we as see as everywhere. Yeah. But a quite nice showcase of, of this porous material, and
0: you know the so storage. So, these white spots are they similar to what is happening in this core sample? So these are actually just uh, minerals that yeah. that you know that were formed
1: naturally. When the, yeah, when the when the rock was formed. Right. But, uh, and then. I have this beautiful example of, of mineralized CO two. So this is just CO two and
0: calcium. This is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah.
1: So this is a this is a crystal that has formed in some extremely nice environment mm-hmm. for for this kind of of, of
0: rock to form. So, so this is CO two and calcium and nothing else. And nothing else. It's and really beautiful.
1: Yeah. We, we are not creating anything like this in in
0: our project but But this is a good example and what else do we have Uh,
1: so what we are doing in in Headless Area is that we are using the same method to to solve another uh, environmental issue for this plant because the plant emits a lot of hydrogen sulfide Right. Uh, and this caused a lot of problems during the first years of operation, because yes. the concentration was, was much higher than uh, expected, and also because in easterly winds, this was affecting the citizens of Reykjavik.
0: Right. So Because we, that's another pollutant in the air.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, and this uh, resulted in, in a very strict regulation on, on how much you are actually allowed to emit of H2S. Or, or what concentration of H2S is allowed in the atmosphere right. in in Iceland, mm-hmm. which is actually stricter than any other regulation in in the world. Right. So, regular energy had to really find a way to tackle uh, this problem. Uh, the, the conventional method, which is both expensive and not very environmentally friendly, is to either precipitate the sulfur as... Just native sulfur, Mm and you have like these big piles of yellow sulfur, right? Or by doing uh, by making uh, hydro uh, sulfuric acid, right? Which is also nasty chemical that you don't want to have right next to the the water sources for for Reykjavik. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then it was decided to try and see if we could use the same method uh, to mineralize the, mm-hmm. the hydrogen sulfur and that's what we did and it turned out to be even faster than, than the <laughs> carbonization process
0: this is fantastic it's like a beautiful golden silvery min- metal
1: yeah so we are we are this is actually fool's gold uh-huh.
0: it's fantastic pyrite <laughs> pyrite yeah, pyrite, yeah.
1: Uh, so we are we are mineralizing the H2S as well so we are
0: co-injecting CO2
1: and hydrogen sulfide, and turning both into rocks.
0: And so, how, so uh, you said that about one-third of the CO2 from the plant is potentially being mineralized. Yeah. How much of the sulfur or hydrogen sulfide is?
1: So we are injecting about 75% of the hydrogen sulfide, but uh, it is in lower concentration right. than CO2 in, in the steam. So we are injecting about five to 6,000 tons of year per year of of hydrogen sulfide and about 12,000 tons per year of CO2.
0: And so are the other processes of, of uh, getting rid of hydrogen sulfide also taking place or just now you're just doing this? Yeah, just
1: doing this. And this is, of course, environmentally friendly We are, and we are just uh, mimicking this process that is already taking place and we, we see a lot of pyrite just in the reservoir Mm-hmm. the geothermal activity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the carbonates as well and it's also a lot less expensive than these
0: other processes These other processes.
1: Mm-hmm. so we are saving a lot of money by by utilizing this method for, for hydrogen
0: sulfide as well. Absolutely fantastic and so just so we uh, can share this when we put this up on our website uh, you have a website for this that people yes. can go to to get yes. more information
1: so we try to put everything on cardfix.com. Right. Uh, And there you can both access some frequently asked questions, Mm the scientific literature, and then some uh, news
0: feed on on what's going on with the project. I will will definitely put the links up on my blog as well. And I will um, make sure that people also go and check out your website and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe bring some things over to my blog just so pe- 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 people can be redirected to that so anything else that you would like to tell us sandra uh anything any additions you you were saying that you had you were in the process of patenting this uh, um this whole uh, innovation
1: mm, yeah we are we are uh,
0: in the process of 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 doing that right uh,
1: but also uh, what we what we are really feeling now lately is that finally, people seem to be waking up, mm-hmm. and people seem to be realizing that climate change is a, a real threat that we have to address. Uh, so we can, yeah, we can f- really feel that projects are finally accelerating. So hopefully, uh, this method can be can contribute to that, and hopefully this will be one of the solutions that will be. Uh, used on a, a larger right. scale in, a, in the near
0: future. One thing I forgot to ask, how many people are working on just this with you <laughs> in your team? So in
1: reykjavik Energy, it's mostly... Uh, yeah. N- none of us are, are working full time, but we have four to five that
0: are, are working on this. Uh, giving your time to this particular yeah. pro- project.
1: And then, of course, we have uh, people at the University of Iceland... Right. and uh, at cNrs in toulouse uh-huh. these are these are the like the founding fathers of of the project mm-hmm. uh, and then in various u- universities and research institutes all over so
0: so a lot of sharing of information and yeah. data and all that yeah so we so hopefully
1: yeah hopefully this this can be one of of the solutions that we need
0: I certainly hope so because it really sounds quite fantastic and you know, have, having been, been working in the environmental climate change sector for a while, I knew that there were various methods of sequestering and fixing carbon. Mm-hmm. But this is new to me. So yep. thank you so much for telling us about this and taking time out of your day to explain the whole process. I will put the website address as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to add? Or should we just say that we hope that this takes off? Yeah
1: absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandra.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.